Welcome to Circus Voices, brought to you by CircusTalk.com, the leading online casting marketplace for circus and performing arts, and an essential resource for circus and multidisciplinary artists and talent seekers. I am your host, Jonathan Lee Iverson from In Center Ring. Our podcast features engaging conversations with acclaimed international experts, including professional artists and talent seekers seekers, creative leaders, influential coaches and teachers, and industry innovators. These interviews offer you insight into the diverse and dynamic world of circus and performing arts. In this week's episode, Chris Lashua. He is the BMX wonder kid turned visionary founder of one of the circus world's most ingenious offerings, Cirque Mechanics. Paired with a team of brilliant creatives and a deep love for all things circus, the proud Massachusetts native has crafted a mesmerizing new world of circus artistry, fusing the majesty and agility of the human form with the innovative precision of machines. Cirque Mechanics has astounded audiences across the entertainment spectrum and is heralded by the New York Times as exceptional, evocative, and engrossingly entertaining. You you started off with a BMX bike and look how far you've come. Yeah, my, my background was with um, with BMX before it was kind of um, now people know it from what they see on the X Games and at the time we were just kind of messing around but we started doing shows early on that BMX bike paid for my way through college. And, um, and, uh, I wasn't sure where I was going with all of that. And, uh, and actually, um, my one connection to, um, to Ringling was, was through, uh, Tim Hulse, who was looking for somebody to go to uh, China to the Wu Chao festival to represent Ringling in 91. Mm. And I had some friends that had gone off and Brett Marshall was a guy from new England. That was a BMX guy that was on Ringling for a bunch of years doing BMX and, and, uh, but I was doing the competitive stuff and doing university and, uh, and we were doing shows, performances, you know, shopping malls and bike shops and wherever. And, uh, I got the opportunity to go to China and that, uh, that changed my life. Right. I mean, I was, I was, uh, blown away by, you know, this whole new universe. And, uh, I met one of the founders there of, um, of Cirque du Soleil and, um, that was that was that was it and here i am now so uh yeah it tracks back to the bicycle um, <laughs> you mentioned pedal punk um pedal punk was a great you know really fun thing for me to do because it took this whole idea of these machines that we build that interact with acrobats and we were able to create a show that really utilized all of that background and uh it was fun and um and uh you know we you know that was a show that was a little bit of a departure from from what we think of as circus, it was presented in a different way. It's kind of a steampunk look. And, and um, for those people that don't know, you know, we predominantly do work in, in theaters. So that was a, a shift, you know, and, and a big change, you know, I, I absolutely love being in a tent and, um, and we try to recreate that vibe, but it's, you know, it's a little bit of a challenge, but um, we're up for it. Yeah. I love it. You know, I mean, I, I just, I'm always fascinated by everyone's origin stories you know it's kind of like those uh i guess those superheroes we get to see on a big screen <laughs> and i wasn't one of the nerds who followed them in comic books but i just love the the origin stories i mean like you just have this this uh compulsion uh, most kids i guess were kind of experimental a little rambunctious and there's a gift in play where we kind of come to ourselves so what was it about this bike that attracted you 
funny thing. I, I you know, as I was um, listening to this thing on creativity the other day, and and, and basically, I think it's um, the 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 idea is that you know we all have this capacity for 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 creativity in us, and it's about like nurturing and being open to that. And the bicycle gave me an opportunity to do something that was like, you know, I got to kind of express myself in a way that I didn't know that I needed or wanted, but um, it was like a tool, right? And that opens the door, just a crack, you know? And then you're in front of an audience and then you, <laughs> that works or doesn't. And for me, you know, I kind of really took to that. And, um, and then from there, I think once you taste that, right? Once you have a sense for like creating something, a piece of art, um, piece of poetry, um, live show, singing, and you get that feedback from the audience. And, you know, it's, it's something that uh, sticks with you. Right. And so for me, um, I didn't know where that was going. And you mentioned this about kind of um, inspiration or, 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 you know, why do you end up there? I think it's so clear, right. When we look back, you know, if we trace your path back, you know, and I've heard, you know, you interviewed as well and these things and, and, you know, it all makes sense when you look back, you look at it and it's like, it's clear as day, right? That path was just like, it was a line, right? But of course, when you're looking forward and at the beginning of your journey, there's an endless amount of forks in the road. And um, I don't know if it's destiny or what, but you, uh, you know, it seems to make sense, you know, looking back at it now, it all makes perfect sense, but you know, uh, and, and I hope it does in, in five years from now, it'll make perfect sense when I'm trying to figure out what, this, <laughs> what to do. I'll look back and say, yeah, that was great. That worked. Uh, and, and, or that didn't work. I'm never doing that again. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I would, I'm curious to know, like, what was your, I guess your initial um, reaction or experience with the Ringling Brothers, with Cirque du Soleil, you know I mean? These are the biggies. And here you are, this, you know, this young man from... <laughs> Massachusetts. Uh, where exactly in Massachusetts? Yeah, inland, uh, about an hour from Boston, a little town called Ashburnham, which is about um, right at the, the kind of the border of Vermont and New Hampshire and Massachusetts up there in the north central part of the state. Little town, 4,500 people. And the bicycle was my way to kind of out, I guess, you know, I mean, right. it gave me opportunity to travel and, you know, I was in a, in a van with a bunch of guys going up and down the East Coast doing shows and, um, and getting to see things and have your world kind of blown wide open. Um, and I'd seen circus as a kid, you know, I used to go to Boston garden and see Ringling. Right. We had be blown away by the way that, you know, the, you know, there'd be, there'd be banners and people flying in the air and everything and everything's pink. And then like, there's a blackout and 10 seconds later, boom, the whole place is completely transformed. Right. And I just, I mean, that, that was always something that kind of stuck, but I didn't, see my place in that right because bicycling bm you know it was kind of a street thing we were doing like it's kind of like skateboarding you know it was a little bit anarchic a little bit you know and mm. uh, so i didn't really see a place in that universe for that right uh, and luckily for me other people did right i mean those people that are you know in the position that i find myself in now of producing shows you're kind of their eyes are open to what you know, just because it hasn't been done before. That's interesting. That's cool. People like that. That's that. That's what I think producers are kind of on the lookout for. And somebody was on the lookout for there at the right time for me. And, um, and when I went to that festival in China, um, I didn't immediately see how I would interface with it. For me, it was a, an opportunity to go to China for two weeks, you know, I didn't right. know. <laughs> and, um, and I knew that I didn't at the time, you know, I was, you know, settling into a, I was a freelance art director. So I was, the notion of going on the road was a little bit like foreign to me, that notion, you know? 
Um, and then I got an opportunity you know, after that festival. Um, I got a call uh, from a guy named Gilles St. Croix, who was one of the founders of Cirque. And do I want to go to Japan? You know, and I thought, wow. Like, uh, sure. <laughs> you know, it was basically, hey, <laughs> next act on stage. Um, but the notion that suddenly I was going to have all this support, like, you know, I think that's one of the coolest things for anybody that creates anything is like when you, you know, when you write a song or create a piece of art or something or, or a show and suddenly you have a team of people that are supporting you and that thing becomes bigger than you ever thought it could be. And you have these talented people who are willing to talk to you about like, you know, your entrance, your exit, your choreography, you know, what, what, what if we build this for you? How can we support the act? Um, and suddenly you have all these great people around you. Um, and I think that's true in any of these large organizations. It can be overwhelming. Um, but for me, it was pretty incredible. And I, and I liken it to, you know, after many years of performing and, you know, I, I transferred from the bicycle to a, a German wheel act, uh, a wheel that I had built looking for a way to stay involved. You know, like once I did that Japanese tour, the, the Japan tour, I was just kind of like, I'm hooked, man. I want to find a way to <laughs> But I didn't have a circus act, right? Traditional, right. Or, or you know, uh, all I had was that bike thing, and so I was looking around for things that that I hadn't seen in the circus that that I thought should be in the circus. And one of those was the German wheel, which, of course, had been seen and done. But much like Roland Globe has been around forever, a German wheel had been used. You know, the, the, the Russian Moscow circus would put a stick of bear in it and roll the bear across the stage in the wheel, you know, or or it was used really as a transitional piece, not really as a focused um, performance piece solo act. Mm. At that time, and um, so I just I built one with some guys in a shop when I was working in in, in Vegas as a as a stagehand because Circus Lady didn't have a job for me on stage anymore, and and I trained and I put that you know every time I could I was on stage in front of the people that came into town to see the show. This was Mister at the time when Circus Lady was young and you know in early nineties, uh, late late nine at this time ninety three ninety four. And I just trained with uh, all of my friends who were performers and they supported me. And, um, and uh, luckily I was visible enough to get chosen to, to put that act in a show called Kidam, which was Cirque du Soleil's, one of Cirque du Soleil's um, tours that they did for many years. And that German wheel um, that, that, you know, I suddenly I'm playing around in this wheel and then I have all these, you know, great kind of support from, from all these really uh, amazing people and, and got to do that for a bunch of years. And that whole, idea of taking this mechanical thing, which is, you know, it's not, it's not a BMX bike, but there was something akin to the BMX vibe that I gelled with. And, um, and that just lit me up. And from that point on, again, you know, it was a, a confirmation that, wow, okay. The BMX was the entree into this whole world, but now I can do this other act. And then, you know, once I did the German wheel for a while, I was looking for some other way to do that and transition into building devices and building shows around those devices. And, you know, That's very interesting to me. Are you saying that you your your engineering acumen basically came on the job? Yeah. Wow. Now, did you have any like inclination to that growing up? Like, you know, just building things and art or anything of that nature. This was what? something that just you know you took to when you were with Cirque. Yeah, it was. Well, it was expanded on. I mean, I you know, like I was you know, I I was. I, I, the bicycle thing for me was from the age of, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, every hour. And from the time, you know, wow. like lot, for some kids, it's basketball for other kids, it's video games. It was every waking hour. Right. I would just, I, I, to this day, I eat too fast. And I, I like, I, I attribute it to the fact that back then I'd get called in for dinner and I'd come in and I'd eat and I just couldn't wait to get back outside. So mm. 
So um, I think that's, that's just one of those things, you know, but the bicycle is, is one of the most, one of the coolest machines that I can think of. Um, and, uh, and I, I, I don't know, I romanticize it maybe, um, but, um, but, you know, taking them apart, putting them apart in different ways, you know, um, when I was looking for a device for a show to support um, this other device I had made that my German wheel would sit on, we were thinking about building these other machines that could create a, a show that we could do a show that wasn't like another Cirque du Soleil knockoff show, but something that was a little bit different. And, um, and so I had this idea about building a platform that would be driven by bicycles that would basically be a portable stage. And so we had a, a little seven foot round table and we put a unicycle underneath one side and a unicycle under the other side and a swivel wheel in the front and back. And now we have this device that basically looks like two people side by side riding a unicycle. But if I go forward and you go backward, suddenly we spin one direction. And if you go forward and I go backward, we spin the other direction. So we have this portable stage and we put a contortionist on it. Now we can show off contortion in a way that it hasn't been seen before in the sense that contortion is typically done in a static format on a platform facing front. And much like a lot of acts, you know, or a piece of sculpture, sometimes you put it on a pedestal and you turn it and a turntable and you can get a different view of that act. And so we were able to take something that would be a more static act, put it on this performance platform and then drive this through the, the performance space and rotate around and show off the moves in different ways. And that was a bicycle apparatus, right? So, um, and, and, you know, we, the engineering comes, um, really it's an additive kind of process. You know, you, you don't screw up and it works and you, you say, okay, well, next time we do this, we're going to build it bigger or we're going to use some of the, some of the systems we used to now think about lifting performers. Um, one of the things that we didn't talk about is the company that I just started when I left, um, Cirque du Soleil is called Cirque Mechanics. And that's really comes from the, the idea of like showing off the way the work of circus gets done. So in, in circus, we have people that, that are lifted on cable. They fly in the air because they're lifted on a cable or, or they, or they're I don't know, shot out of a device or, or, or they're, or they're doing an act that, um, I don't know, like a contortion act where, where being able to move them through the space can enhance the performance. And so we started thinking about what are, what are these things that the circus needs done that we could build machines to do? We could lift people. How can we lift them in a way that we're not just using hydraulics or a chain motor, but we're making that lifting part of the, the image that people might be interested in, you know, the way things work, you know, you open up the clock face and you see the gears inside. To me, that's really cool. And that's part of our shows. And so early on, I had this, this device that I built that my German wheel. I and mean, I started to get a little bit bored with just doing the act. I built a set of rollers and that wheel would sit on those rollers and, and it enabled me to sit in one place and spin around. And um, we thought, well, cool. That's pretty cool. If we put some wheels underneath that and put it on a trolley, we can drive this thing around the stage with this wheel being the locomotive, kind of like the old pump cars on the railroad tracks, you know? And then we attached a winch to it. Thought, okay. Like everybody talks about this, you know, the hamster wheel, when you say do German wheel, they're like, Oh, that's like the hamster wheel. And the funny thing is, in our show Birdhouse Factory, which is, we're still, we're just touring it right now. Um, the center element of that show is actually this trolley device with the German wheel sitting on these rollers. And by turning the German wheel, those rollers engage a winch that lifts an aerialist up and down. So we have this rotation of a German wheel, and then we have this aerialist that's lifted. And then when the German wheel goes the other way, the aerialist descends. And this connected relationship between something that is industrial and mechanical and something that is lyrical and beautiful, the artist on the other end of the, that's in the Cirque or on the trapeze, is really at the heart of what we like to do. And, um, and to get back to your question about engineering, 
Um, no formal engineering training, but um, you know, we had to learn and and um I've had again like really great people. My scenic design partner and partner in crime on all of these projects is a guy named Sean Riley, who's just absolute like uh, amazing rigging designer and somebody that you can trust. And so I leaned on people to to make sure that we keep people safe, right? Because when you're building a little device, when you're building a turntable device where the performer is three feet off the ground, if the if the weld breaks or something goes wrong, you know, it, it gets a little crooked and the artist might fall out of a handstand or shake a little bit, um, which is not good, but, um, but, the, but the risk is not as great as when you have these large devices that we build now that are, you know, they have performers 20 or 30 feet in the air. And if something goes wrong with that device, somebody can get hurt. So the engineering bar goes higher. And so we, we reach out to people that know more than we do and um, make sure that our designs are safe. Um, and, and often we end up pushing the envelope because a lot of the things that we're doing are things that are just like kind of not generally done. Um, so, but that's what makes it fun. Right. So for me, it's rather ingenious, you know, I mean, I'm listening to this and this is very fascinating because in a sense, what you've, you've done is, you know, you've ripped the curtain off and (laughs) you've made an art out of showing how the sausage is made while (laughs) putting on the show at the same time. You know, I mean, of course, you know this. I mean, one of the the great um, uh, factors about circus is the synergy between, let's say, crew and and performers. And oftentimes during my career, you know, people would just I would watch the audience actually looking at what was going on in the dark and made and how appreciative they were of that. And now you've in many respects with Cirque Mechanics, you've actually just brought that to the forefront. I'm going to show you what's happening inside the clock. And not only am I going to show you what's happening inside the clock, I'm going to show you how extraordinary and beautiful and daring it can be as well. I think that's so amazing. I mean, all I can think of, I often quip that circus is the science of miracles, it's the theater of the impossible. But speaking to you, it is also the laboratory of what is possible. You know, from casting to, hey, asking those questions that you were asking, you know, what what else could we do here? What can we push here? What can we expand here? What does the circus need? And I, I think that's what, you know, I, I think that's really the heart of evolution, you know, cre- a creative evolution, like, you know, to ask these questions and for you to have this organic type of engineering career. Uh, it's just wonderful. You hit on something very important uh, by mentioning, uh, I believe you said his name is Sean Riley. And I, I had the opportunity to read, of course, your, your wonderful, um, of course, I'm doing my work and reading your site and uh, just reading the, the background of those you are partnered with in this great venture called Cirque Mechanics. And it again, it reads like the Avengers or something, because all of these folks on your team, Sean Riley, uh, Aloysia, um, is it Aida or Ida? Aida. Ada, Ada. Uh, and Steven, I mean, they're all so brilliant in their own right. And I, I would love for you to speak to the importance of assembling the right partners, the right team. Well, it's every, it's absolutely everything. I mean, it's always, it sounds really cliche, you know, but I think it's early on and, and what had happened was um, I'll go to, to, you know, the, this whole process, you know, my wife, Aida, you just mentioned has been my partner in crime and in life um, for now 25 plus years. 
um, and was integral in the building of the German Wheel Act, you know, because we didn't, you know, we knew there was a sport, this, this German gymnastic discipline was a sport, um, but it hadn't been done in this way. And so she was in there with a the video camera and giving the feedback, giving the input and has been part of all of these process, sometimes more in the back and then more recently kind of in the forefront of when we build our shows and cast our shows. And nobody knows the business as well or has been involved in, in, in it as much as Aida has. Um, and then from a performance standpoint, um, I had met Aloysia, you mentioned Aloysia Gavre, who, who's my kind of design partner, my collaborative directing partner. Um, since we were at Cirque du Soleil and we were on that show called Kidam, she was an aerialist in the European tour and I was performer and I had built this trolley device. And we were brainstorming about a way to interact this device with her aerial act. And so that's when we ended up putting the winch on the, the trolley device. And we did research with her back then when we were still on Kidam. I left Kidam. I, I left Cirque and wanted to pursue this notion of building shows and building. I didn't even know at the time. It seemed kind of brash to say, we're going to build a show. You know, at the time I just, I was too, maybe not, um, I don't know, maybe not confident enough, maybe not um, brave enough to say what I wanted to do, which is I want to have a company where we do the kind of work we want to do. And we get to be the, the kind of, I don't know, masters of our destiny. We get to decide decide where we want to go and what what kind of story we want to tell and and all of that. And um, so I left Cirque and I started doing a lot of corporate work. And at the time, you know, this is like this is like 2000. The Cirque thing was such a big brand. You know, I could go out and do my German Wheel Act and do three three two three gigs a week in different markets all over the country, all over the world, and did pretty well. And was able to keep building these other devices in the background and. And then Aloysia uh, reached out to me like a year after I had left and or two years after I left and said, Hey, um, you know, she was involved with the circus center of San Francisco and uh, she had an opportunity to, to do a, an annual show for that, for the circus center. And it had been a show that um, Aloysia for people who don't know is, is, is grew up in San Francisco, a good friend with Gypsy Snyder and Gypsy of the seven fingers, who most of us know is, you know, kind of a premier a circus company in the, contemporary circus company and um, they were great friends and gypsy had done a show in san francisco and it was successful in san francisco circus center said we want you to do it again and for whatever reason gypsy couldn't do it and suggested aloysia aloysia contacted me and said chris let's do this project together and um we brought in sean riley the guy that you you mentioned uh right away he was referred by a good friend and that first day I met him, we just clicked. I mean, it was just like, he just, he took the project. This is a little bit of an, an example I was talking about earlier. He took this idea that I had in my head of like setting this show in a factory. And he brought in all these references, like, you know, these crazy creative references and, 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 and embraced it and made it his own and made it bigger and better. And each one of the creators did that. You know, Aloysia did that. Steven Regatz, who was a friend of mine, he was a juggler on the stair and a, character and a juggler on Kidam and he had done an act that Michael Motion the kind of famous juggler had created for him and Steve's a great kind of thinker and he came in and kind of worked with us as a dramaturge which I think is it sounds hoity-toity to say storyline in circus but you know we were trying to write these these simple story that would hold the show together and Steve had some great insight and, and did a great job with that on Birdhouse Factory he's a performer and kind of a, a collaborator on that project and and um, and that team, uh, which included composers and and um, and our lighting designers, pretty much all on board now. I mean, we we just clicked from the beginning, 
and um, and grew together in those roles. And and um, to this day, you know, uh, Aloysius co-directed all of the shows we've done from from Birdhouse to Boomtown, Pedal Punk, Forty Two Feet, which was a show we did paying tribute, homage to the traditional circus world, the single ring kind of um, circus. We toured that show for two years and. And uh, we're just ramping uh, our spring portion and, uh, you know, COVID hit. But um, but I've been had the great kind of opportunity to work with this team and then bring in, you know, new team members that kind of make it even better. Um, but there's just no way. I mean, none of these projects, I mean, they, you know, it's a lonely endeavor to create, even if you're creating an act, right? It just feels like there are times when you just feel like it's hard to be motivated every day to get up and go to the space and rehearse or create something from nothing. You need people that are there uh, when you're not 100% on board that other person, you know, whether it's like a, you know, partner or a gym buddy or somebody else to motivate you to say, Hey, let's go. And um, that's what this team member, that the, the, these kind of team players have done for me all, all these years has been there to kind of support when you don't quite feel you're up for it. Now, see, I, and sorry, I mean, I, you, you hit on something that's interesting because you know, I mean, it all can't come from you, obviously. And and I'm just curious, you know, are all of the shows basically um, fragments of your imagination first initially, and then you like filter them down and then everybody kind of throws their spin on it? Or uh, is it a real collaborative effort? Maybe somebody brings in an, uh, a, an idea of their own and everybody kind of uh, throws their, their, uh, their recipe in the pot. Dangerous question because, like, of course, I'm, <laughs> I'm all my ideas. Um, I don't, you know, I think I we've talked about this and we, we have these kind of Q and A's after the show with the team members on stage. And, um, in general, the genesis of the idea starts with, with, um, I'll have an idea for something, but it's, but it's only in the very early stages. It's like me talking to you, hey, I've got this idea about whatever, and now you'll say, oh, that's pretty cool, you know, and then I'll go away and. Jonathan thought that was cool. Maybe I should pursue that. Right. I mean, we, we, <laughs> on the first time you mention something out loud, you're gathering information. I don't know if we do it consciously or not. I mean, sometimes we do. Sometimes you say, Hey, I've got this idea. I want your input. Other times we'll just be like, Yeah, hey, I'm working on this thing. And then, you know, somebody will light up and be like, Really? You know? Um, so I, I, in general, um, they start that way. Like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Um, but then the conversation immediately, I reach out to the, the kind of key people on the team and, um, and get some push, get some feedback on that. Oh, that's really cool. Or, um, and some of them started with a device like pedal punk actually started because Riley and I had designed this device to take circus and be able to perform it essentially, you know, any, we have this truss structure that's on wheels. So we could drive this truck, pedal this truss structure down the street with aerialists on it much like a parade float, but it's all man powered. And we had a bicycle that actually, when you pedal it, it climbs the truss vertically. And again, a cable was attached. So when the pedal, when the truss climbing bike goes up, the aerialist goes down. And so now we have this rolling performance stage and it was designed for a festival in Toronto. Somebody that reached out to me that said, Hey, we love your theater work. We'd love to see if you could do something outside. And so we, we built this thing and we spent the money on the gig every penny of it to get ourselves there and to pay for building this thing. But now we have this structure, this thing called the gantry bike. And it might've been Riley's uh, or, or conversations we had about, wow, we should, we should build a show around this, put it on stage. 
And, um, and then immediately we reach out to kind of the team members and say, Hey, we want to do this. And, and then everybody embraces it again. And, and it's really, some of these things are hard to pinpoint. Um, but the earlier we can kind of engage with the, the, the kind of the players, the people that I, that are like my circus creative family, um, the better it is because, um, these things just have a way of kind of taking off, right. They become real also like with anything else, right. You say it out loud, suddenly you, 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 you somehow take ownership of this idea. You know, you say, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to do whatever you make it real by saying it out loud. And, you know, it's better if somebody hears you <laughs> because then they can hold you to it or, or, or check in with you in a week and say, Hey man, that project sounded cool. Is that going to happen? Are you going to do something with it? And you're, you know, and, and this kind of thing. Anyway, these things are, it's easy, right? When we have a, necessary sometimes right these companies and organizations have a face you know and for circuit mechanics on the face but um but anybody that works with us knows that like we have an amazing team and we have a show that's out on the road right now and we did a kind of a, a revisit tour of birdhouse factory it's touring for this one season it's in theaters it was at the to the annenberg center to, in in um in philadelphia today and we'll be down in the villages in your neighborhood so you have to come see us um and come over that's like february 16th looking forward um, to it team that's on that on the show i mean these are people you know the guy that's kind of kind of holding things together for me you know when artistically because i can't be there and i have to working on a new show now and some other things and my buddy wes who's with me since he was 19 and uh now he's you know and he's been there with me for everything and um i trust him you know we kind of you know you look for people that you can bring on board that you trust and you like and uh and then help them be better performers, artists, producers. And so he's in a position now where I can walk away and know that pretty much anything can happen. He's going to, he's going to roll with it and be able to handle it. And, um, and that's absolutely critical. And uh, the other thing too, is surrounding yourself with people that you want to be with. I mean, it sounds really logical, right? But, you know, people say like, when you're casting, what are you looking for? And it's like, you know, people get our attention, Instagram, you know, emails they send us because they've got great skills, right? But that gets your attention. But the first thing I want to know after that is, can I spend like six hours in a minivan next to this person? Because you know what it's like to be on the road. You know, it's like, you know, it's a bit different in a large organization with so many people. You're not going to gel with 200 people. Right. But, you know, when it's a smaller group, man, you better make sure, you know, if there's one person out of 10, that's a jerk. It's that whole bad apple thing. It just can't work. Right. So it's really all about relationships and referrals. You know, there's nobody that we, you know, most of the people that we work with, people want to know, Hey, how can, you know, we get involved and, and um, we're looking at everything and all, artists from all walks of life and all different backgrounds and different circus histories and, you know, legacy circus people. And, you know, I, we want, I love it all. Right. Um, number one thing I want to know is like, is that person, is, is there anybody that I know and trust that's in my family that has any inkling that that person's not right. Because if it makes the hair stand up on the back of their neck, or they, sometimes people don't want to say anything bad about somebody because they don't want to be the reason somebody doesn't get a job. But now, because having been through this before and not read the signs and haven't had to, had to kind of deal with somebody that wasn't a good fit, just don't want to make that mistake, right? So, so you really kind of lean on these people. So this idea of team is just like, I don't even know. I mean, it sounds silly, right? But it's just like, it's absolutely, it's everything. It is very crucial. I mean, I think you make a excellent point. Uh, 
you know, that one person's attitude or two or a troop or whatever. And it really doesn't matter how big the company is. And I guess it's worse if it's small <laughs> because it just metastasizes even more aggressively. And I, I, I'm glad you asked that question because I was going to ask you about your casting process. And of course, now we live in this wonderful uh, social media world, uh, information highway, where we're able to reach out to each other. Um, a lot faster, uh, a lot more aggressively, and people can put their best foot forward. You're absolutely right. Some people, as you know, especially as they say in theater, some people just really audition well, <laughs> and uh, then you have to go live with them. Um, and that's, you know, that's the thing with the touring culture is that we have to live with these people. And you know, it's as I tell my children all the time: the greatest skill you'll have is relationships. <laughs> relationships. It's very true. If people don't like you or you're just not uh, bringing a sense of camaraderie to the team, um, it overshadows anything. You can be the most marvelous talent out there. I have seen it a thousand times over. It's very true. You have to, you have to have that uh, camaraderie. It's so very important. Right. Well, we, and we get protective, you know, like, I mean, and at this stage, it's it's kind of my company, and so you know, I of course I have ownership and a reason to care. But I think in general, I love I love the circus. I love that I get to do it. I get I get I'm so that just is the thing that I really love to do and want to do. And and if you don't love it as much as I do, you know, like I mean, and some people don't. That's fine, but um. But boy, do I, 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 I just feel like it's something special and I want to make sure that, and, and the jobs are limited, right? I only have an opportunity to employ, you know, like 10 or 12 people on a tour, right? That's the scale mm -hmm. of our projects that go out in the theater shows. Um, and, and, and those are kind of coveted spots because nationally it's tough to piece tours together. You know, it's, I mean, you got a company like Ringling that is, that's in, in a sense been around for hundreds of years, not because Ringling and Barnum and Bailey was, but the, the organizations that became that, right. There's this collective history of generations, right. Of touring and rooting and, you know, and there's a network built in and, you know, when you're an arts organization or a circus company trying to start off, you know, you have to build the roots, you know, talk to Kevin about this, Bernardo's who's who I know, you know, well, and, former ringmaster and, 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 um, and now um, circus um, aficionado, um, you know, building a route and building relationships with communities is key. Um, and, and it's not simple. And um, when you do that, you, you feel protective of that. You know, I feel protective of the relationships we have with the theaters that we go to, we go back, they have us back every other year. And, um, and so I want to make sure that everybody that's on the project cares about, as much of it about it as I do, if that's even possible, right? Because you know it's not their baby, but it's some. It's funny when you give people a voice in a project, um, a creative voice, um, a collaborative voice. Because we talked about the team that builds the shows, but the artists make it their own, right? And we get every we get people that have been there, done there with the greatest, biggest projects on the planet. You know, whether it be Ringling or traditional circuses or Circus Lay or small small shows or people that have done other kind of work. And sometimes we get people that have been there, done that, and they're looking for a way to get involved with the company that like they get to actually put their stamp on it and make it their own and be part of the process. Because some of the big 
companies, it's harder. You have your act, right? And so in the traditional sense, the circuses that we know that, you know, you, that is your history, these acts come and a lot of them, they're come, they're ready to go. They've been doing that act sometimes for generations. And the, the circus producer says, we want that act and we want your family and we want you in the show. And then there's other times when you, when you build these, uh, when you build these acts and put these together, you know, and um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real kind of challenge to figure out um, uh, how to build these things and how to get the right people on board. And, um, and, and when you, when you are able to say to somebody, Hey, not only are we interested in your act, but let's talk about the transition. Let's talk about what happens before and after and how else can you engage with the show? It's funny because when you're on a show, sometimes when people come to you and they're like, I need you to do a cue and people go like, Oh my God, I got to go move that barrel for somebody, somebody else's act. And it becomes kind of like work. And, and, you know, it's funny when you have a show where people are really engaged, when the artists come to you and they say, Hey, I want to do more in the show, you know, then, you know, you're, you know, things are kind of working, right. Because, because they're not just being told stand over there and smile and juggle these three clubs, and then turn instead you involve them in the process. And you can't, I can't buy that kind of loyalty or commitment, right? We're a small company. I can't, I couldn't pay some of the people, like we mentioned Riley, I couldn't pay him to do the job that he does with me. He does it because he loves the work and we really gel together and we're great friends. But if I had to pay him what he was worth, I couldn't do it, right? So, and he does what he does with me because he loves the work. And same thing for the artists, right? If you get artists that are interested, and and I mean this, and, and sometimes because of Cirque, these big shows, the artists, they're told, hey, yeah, do your act or no, we're going to change your act and we want to do it this way. And so they don't get to be involved in the creative process as much as maybe they thought they would. And so when they come into a small company like ours and they realize that we actually n- not only want it, but we're kind of, we kind of need that involvement. I can't pay for that amount of um, uh, ownership, right? Artists take ownership, they make it their own and it allows me to kind of like let it go and let them bring it to life and keep it fresh. And that's something that is, um, I think is just really, um, I'm sure this happens in larger companies, but it's tougher in bigger companies, right? There's just so much bureaucracy and so much other things going on. So in a small company, we get to have people that feel like they're really contributing and they make a difference and um, and not just a number and all those things. And, and, uh, and, and as a result, we get, we get great people. I'd love for you to, um, really touch on the gift of obsession, you mm. know, cause I keep holding on to the idea of, you know, I keep, as you talk, I mean, it's so funny because it's really, it's in your, it's in your entire energy, you know, and I can tell I'm like, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a fast eater. <laughs> and I'm thinking about, you know, you probably, you swallow your food and you're back to your thing. You know, I just think that's so, um, I think it's so universal and fascinating with people who just, they connect with something and it's usually when they're kids, um, they connect with something and they just bite into that. And hopefully, you know, they come from the type type of home and community that doesn't do what they usually do to children, which is kill the dream early. Um, you know, um, and I can tell you, you certainly didn't come from one of those environments where you had a bunch of dream killers around you. Somebody just said, well, it might turn out to be something. And obviously it did. Um, but I, I would like for you to speak on that, that, that matter of obsession 
um, the gift of obsession, what it is, you know, um, and it, especially in our field of circus, because you, I would figure you have to be, because still what we do is so unusual, you know, it's still seen as unusual. Um, it's seen as something just out of the box. And when you're daring to live outside of the norm, outside of the box, um, not to become, you know, the lawyer, doctor, whatever, but, you know, this is your thing whatever that thing is, um, you know, how do you jealously guard your obsession? Yeah. Well, I, I think it, it, I mean, there's no, you can't turn it on. Right. I mean, it's there or it's not there. You love it. And you're that kind of, you know, I don't know. I, 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 it's, it's, it sounds silly, right. Because you hear these stories about, you know, that, that, that idea of if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. I think those of us that, have found that thing to us, that's a no brainer, right? I mean, it's like, and, and when you talk about obsession, there's, there's, you know, people that, um, I don't know, there's a, the, the flip side of that coin is, you know, people would say that, you, you know, you work too much. It's a workaholic, you know? Um, I mean, I, the work that I do is the work that I love to do. You know, I'm not talking to you. I'm when I finish, I'm going to run to the shop and work on new designs for, windmills and wind devices for a new show that we're creating a touring show called Zephyr, which is going to be a show based around a 20 foot tall windmill on stage powered by a wheel of destiny in the middle. So for me, like I'm, 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 I just can't, you know, I don't know, like, I don't want to, it sounds silly, but I'm, I'm looking to get my circus fix in so many different ways. And luckily as, and as somebody who's now kind of producing and building, I get it in so many different ways. I get it by talking to you about circus, you know, like I know we're, we're doing a podcast and you're asking me questions, but I want to talk, I got a bunch of questions for you. And, you know, I have, we're, we're, we're you know, I, I'm, I feel really happy that I get to do what I love to do. Um, and it's always evolving too, you know, like we're, you know, we're doing the theater thing, but you know, I, I just can't wait to get our shows under a tent. And, you know, I went to Mexico in December, uh, early December, and I put a money down on a new circus tent. I'm really excited about this whole notion that we're actually Cirque Mechanics is actually going to have its own little home and um, see it's like 600 people and it seems like the right scale for our company and we're getting the stage, we're getting the tent and, um, and we're going to be doing shows in addition to the theater work, which we love and we're going to keep doing. Um, we want to be able to do these shows in, in a tent. And I think that for circus people and especially people that have kind of owned circuses or worked in circuses or no, I mean, there's, that's a whole nother layer, right? I mean, what, what up till now we've been talking about the work that we as a company have done has been like building a device and getting our friends to work on that device and maybe bringing in a choreographer or designer and building that and then building a show. And it's funny because um, the show is the thing people see, right? The show, right? It's like the thing you buy a ticket for and you sit down and you see the performers, but you know, the big show, um, is it, as you know, from Ringling is that move is a show, right? Like the, the, the way that all that logistics was handled is just absolutely staggering. And you mentioned it and there are ways to maybe make that that's interesting to people, but it's, it's just, it's a whole nother universe, right? The, the, the thing we see on stage is like, is like the fingernail, right? And the stuff you don't see backstage is the whole arm. And then the, 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 the entire entity that supports that whole show being on the road is a whole nother thing that you don't see. Um, but the idea that, that, you know, for me, the idea that we'll have our own venue where we can 
where we can create and, and have a hand in every part of the experience that the guest is going to have from how we engage with them, from how we market to them, to how we engage with them once they walk on site, everything, you know, because when we're in theaters, it's great because there's nothing like having a guarantee and knowing that you're, you're going to get a check, whether 200 people show up or 2000 people show up, um, that gives you great comfort and allows you to kind of not worry about that side of it. But, um, but the ability to, 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 kind of curate the whole circus experience that somebody's going to have or live experience that somebody's going to have is really exciting. And so my brain is running on that now because now it's a whole new thing we have to learn, you know, and I'm, and I've always seen as much circus as I can see, you know, like here in Vegas, we, we have, we have Vargas that comes through. We have Caballeros that are here. Um, and Vargas is now in, you know, went to see them a couple of weeks ago in Hesperia, which is like a three hour drive. And, and um, you know, like there's just, there's just no, no end to like what there is to be learned from the people who've done it before you, you know, and they've been so gen- so many of the people in the, in the kind of, I don't know if this is such a word, I'm not a big fan of this whole traditional and contemporary thing. Cause I think circus is, is all of it, but there's still a pretty huge divide in on, on some level between this contemporary circus world and the kind of traditional circus. Oh world. man, don't get me started. We'll start preaching. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's one of the things. So I'm, I'm actually, you know, so I'm, I'm absolutely American uh, Circus Alliance. American Circus Alliance, and it's something that I really believe in. And 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 I was listening to to Nick and uh, Nick Linda and Tina Wynn on um, the Circus Historical Society's podcast like last week because they're going to both be inducted in the Hall of Fame. And they were both speaking, and it kind of reinforced the the separateness of these two worlds, right? The mm. the traditional. Um, uh, circus world or the circus world is people have known it for hundreds of years in this kind of uh, theater world or this other kind of kind of circus world is really really separate and um and that, you know I, that's a challenge because i think that we are going to succeed when we bring all of these people together um and we all love our different styles and our different ways of doing it um and uh and it struck me as how separate sometimes these universes are. And uh, just recently, you know, and it's not like a new thing. We all know it. You just said it, you know, it's right. like, it, you know, uh, on some level, there's a, there's a lack of an appreciation for some of the new school circus people. They don't even, they don't pay attention or they don't learn or they don't, you know, they don't research what was done. And, you know, they're not, maybe not even interested. It's hard for me to imagine. Right. Cause it's, you know, I love that stuff. Um and 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 some of the people that have been doing this forever that are fifth generation are looking at the new people going like you know you don't know what, what are you doing you know like you're just done it completely and you you think you know everything um so you know I, I think that communication and and things like what circus talk is doing you know being a bridge and what the circus alliance is doing uh, getting these different communities together uh, and and figuring out a way that for us to kind of help each other. You know, I'm so grateful of the help that we got, the, the initial opportunity we got from Gypsy to be to be able to do that first show, put us on the map. And, and now we're, you know, we're kind of solidly in this kind of theater arts market. And um, and that came because somebody in the community said, hey, yeah, we want to help you. And um, and, you know, people get a little bit protective. You know, there's sometimes people are kind of like, well, if I help you, that's going to hurt me. I get it. Uh, you know, we're always concerned about is the, is the audience big enough for circus, you know? Um, mm. And there's plenty of conversations to be had about that, you know? Um, but, but I've been really, really um, very happy and 
I don't know, surprised. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised at the support of the people, the, the other producers that have tents, how generous they've been with information, sharing information. And, and, and it comes down to one thing. It's because they love it. It's that, I, you know, I can spin this back and, and, and come back to your question, which is about obsession. And that's the only thing I can come up with, right? Is the only reason that Kevin would share this with me. He loves it, right? He really and does. He beams. <laughs> they love this stuff. And, 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 they, and whether it's a good business move or not for him to share this information is secondary because he loves it enough. And I think that's the same old story. The people that we know, the people that have made names for themselves in, in this world, I mean, that's the thing that does it, right? Is that just unending, that desire, that drive to just, they really, really enjoy what they're doing. Um, and sure, if you're, if you love it and you, you, you're kind of crafty or, or, you know, you have a business mind or something like that, maybe you can, maybe you can turn it into something that actually does, does right on the business side. I mean, that's the real, that's a whole nother challenge, right? Is mm. it's like, thing i love it but boy you better have somebody on the team that knows how to do that other side of it because most of us circus people don't come from the business world we come at this as circus artists and we find ourselves having to run businesses and that's where most of us struggle i know i do to this day right that's the, that's the thing that i struggle the most with you know you mentioned the team i have amazing people with amazing ideas and they they embrace the ideas that i throw over the across the table and and, and um but man like that's the fun stuff, right? The business side of it, something that, man, that is, that's a tough nut to crack. And, and something uh, that I know to this day, that's probably the greatest challenge that I have in the circus is figuring out how to make it all work. Yeah, really putting all that together, the numbers and the budgets and, you know, having to fire people. Um, I can't imagine that's the easiest thing in the world. Um, nobody wants to take one's job away. I don't think anybody gets privilege in that. Um, and, and, you know, I'm like you, I think most creatives are like that. You know, we have to make these adjustments when it comes to the actual business as a, a, a beautiful mentor friend of mine who's always, yeah, I call him my godfather, but he's always told me, he said, business is a bigger word than show, man. <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, I think love always presents us with um, her other side, you know, which, you know, will toughen us. It's that part you don't really want to do, <laughs> you know, like I'm in love with you, honey. And then you marry him and you're like, oh, I got to really work on this marriage thing. <laughs> you know, it's, that's what it is. And it, I, I can imagine the challenge is um, really fascinating. Uh, and, and just seeing your journey and seeing how you've grown and really seeing how you've purported yourself uh, during this time in our in world history, this pandemic, I mean, how has that been for you specifically? Um, I remember you all were uh, initially doing a lot of outdoor shows, some outdoor shows in uh, Las Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. Um, how have you managed since? Yeah, so we were doing, um, you know, we do, I, luckily for us, um, about half, well, maybe a third of what we do is corporate one-offs. So galas, right. You know, somebody hires us to come in, put a show together and not just in Vegas, all over the country, you know, they want a 20 minute show or they want a, an act. And I think this is true of right? I mean, we've all done those kind of gigs. And then we have the, the touring, the touring work that we do, which up till now has been in theaters um, and indoors. 
And of course, when COVID happened, luckily our tour head was winding down. We had a nice long run that was going to be on Navy Pier in Chicago, five weeks in the summer, but most of the tour was done. And so, and like all of us, we thought, oh, it's going to be a couple of months. You know, this is our down cycle anyway. It'll pick up again in the summer, in the fall. And when it didn't, you know, when it went on longer than we all thought, it was like, wow, okay, how are we going to weather this storm? You know, and because we've been doing this for a while. We have a, we have a season and then we have our down season. And for me, the down generally it's from like the spring all through the summer until the fall again, until we get back in theaters is our, so for me, you know, we had a, you know, we have resources, we had funds that we have because, you know, we have a season and it's going good. And so we have to, as a, as a freelance artist, I don't care whether it's a company or a freelancer or an individual kind of have to think like that, right? You've got a bunch of money in the bank, but that money's got to last you for another four months to pay your bills because you don't have another gig until September or whatever that is. And so we had, you know, we thought we were prepared to write it out and then man, it went on longer than any of us thought. Right. Um, and then when it, when it started to look like things were kind of um, on the mend in the spring, well, a year ago in the spring, we decided to try to, um, to do something we hadn't done before, which was self-produced. And we did, we produced our show, the show that you, you mentioned pedal punk. We put that on a stage out, on a golf course. And uh, we came up with this kind of wacky idea to do um, somebody had done it. Uh, a friend of mine had done it for a corporate client This drive in, in golf carts. So essentially the golf course is the venue, the golf carts are the seats. And we put them in a big semicircle and put a stage in the front and we did a show and we called it the golf cart drive in. And, um, and it was, I mean, you know, it was outside uh, and we had kind of COVID protocols at the time. This is prior to the vaccine. And we got to we got a taste of what we were talking about earlier, which is that idea of curating the whole experience for people from the time they walk in. You know how you how you get them to their seats in this case to their golf carts or to their their socially distant lawn seating. You know, and it was extraordinary. You know, we only had I mean we only had you know we had limited amount of tickets to sell over four shows. We sold out the run, and it gave me a little taste of like wow okay like I mean maybe we could do this maybe we could create these shows. Um, at the, and this is even before thinking about the tent, but the whole idea that we were outside and I was looking around in the circus community and most of the, many of the circuses, you know, everybody was impacted, but, but circuses in general seemed to do better, you know, because they were outside, um, you know, Giovanni Zope, he did his whole thing. And a lot of it he did without the tent. He had the, he had the tent, you know, he had the mask set up and the cupola and everything and no, no canvas under the stars. Um, and he did it as a drive-in. And um, so these people that have been doing this for a long time, you know, were like, hey, let's, we're going to have to rethink this. Um, and everybody, from, you know, Giovanni, and then there were people, you know, other circus companies that, that did it without this, you know, they, they put their tent up, but no sidewalls. And, um, you know, they were kind of looking at, you know, how can we keep this going? And, um, and people feel more comfortable outside to this day right now, right? I mean, there's people, you know, we get, we're, we're, we have our show on the road, we're in theaters and the expectation from the theaters now is still, you know, thankfully it's adjusted. Their expectation of how many people are going to come buy tickets to an indoor show is a little bit more tempered right now by the fact that there's still people who are, you know, like vaxxed or not. They don't want to be around a group of people uh, or in tight spaces. But circus had seemed, you know, I was kind of looking around and seeing, you know, Kevin was out with his show and and um, Giovanni and and a bunch of shows. And, you know, like um, Circitalia and in your region was doing a bunch of shows. I mean, it didn't even stop, right? I mean, it was just... Um, and, um, and so we, you know, we had this good experience with the, with the outdoor show and, you know, and I never even, again, you say it out loud and it makes it real. I never told anybody, I never said out loud that I wanted to 
have a tent, you know, cause that just seemed like too bold a pronouncement to make, you know, too big a, a dream and uh, too disappointing if you kind of say it and you don't make it a reality kind of, you know? And um, so I started toying with the idea of like, wow, maybe we could, maybe we should look at that, you know? And, and because of our connections in the kind of corporate event world, you know, I checked with a bunch of people who do events and I was like, and I, we've been talking for a long time about, Hey, if we, you know, when you bring in that event to Vegas or to Palm Springs or wherever, and you got, you know, 500 people, why don't we do a show in a tent? You know, we'll put a bunch of round tables in there and pin spots on the tables and linens and really fancy and dinner theater kind of show. And, and the corporate people like that, but they, you know, I didn't have a tent. So how much is that going to cost? Well, I don't know. You know, like, I mean, it's hard to put together. Now I have to kind of plan that out, but I reached out to those people in the event community and the response was like, yeah, you know what? Like we have a few clients that we think would really go for that. So that helps to kind of take the edge off, right? Because most people in circus, um, they grow up in the circus, their families have run circuses or their, you know, their yeah, family owns a circus. And, um, and so it's a little bit different. You know, there's a history, there's like all this knowledge, you know, and um, I'm coming at it from a different place. And so all I can do is kind of, kind of come at it humbly and, and try to learn as much as I can about that whole universe and um, yeah, learn what we can. But, um, but I was inspired by the work that, um, you know, circus has kept on going. And it's about the resilience, maybe. It's about the kind of the spirit of circus, the people that run the circuses. It was inspirational to see that keep going when the, when the theaters were just shut down, right? And, 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 and then once we got the vaccine, and I'm talking prior to Omicron in the fall, there was still plenty that were kind of holding back, waiting, right? We were like, look, we want to get back at it. Artists have been wanting to get back on the stage. I mean, you know, from day one, right? I mean, it was like... I'll, I'll, I'll stay back a little bit. I'll wear a mask. I'll do whatever, but I got to be on stage. And there's plenty of people that felt that way. And, um, and so it was not hard when we did our outdoor show to get artists on board. As soon as we said what we were doing, they're like, we're in, you know, we, we're, we're, we're on board. And the same, I've got the same kind of positive reaction with the tent, with the tent show. I'm like, look, I mean, we're going to take a risk on this. We may do this over here. Are you interested in, you know, trying it out with us? And, uh, and the response has been amazing, right? People are like, you know, yeah, we want to try that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, uh, COVID was not simple. Uh, we're still experiencing it. You know, the, the numbers are down in the theaters and, and, you know, we're, our agents are booking the fall tour now, um, back to the team. And if you don't have a good, like for these young people, they're putting circus companies together. Number one thing, as soon as you have a video of a show, um, is to find an agent who's going to embrace it because again, I can't do that. I can't book and route this stuff. And these people right now are trying to figure out how to sell, a tour for the fall when everybody they talk to is trying to figure out how to hold together their season right now, right? Cause issues are happening now. Presenters are faced with, should we cancel? Can the tour happen? Can these people get here because it's an international group? And so they're trying to hold this stuff together. And meanwhile, the agents need to book the tour for the fall because you got to book it in advance. Right. And, and then the people you're talking to are panicked because they're just trying to figure out how to not lose their shirt next week. So it's a tough time still. It's really, a, it's an incredible juggling act um, for producers everywhere, um, promoters, you name it. It is quite interesting to watch and, and it's all over the industry. Um, I think due to the nature of circus, because circus is uh, adept, adept to changing so quickly and uh, evolving as it does, um, I think, in, like you said, there were plenty of shows that still were out there. Um, and thriving, honestly, during the, the 
the height, I would say of, and I don't want to say the height of, cause I don't know. We don't know where we're going with this right now. Um, but I, I know of several shows that still just kept it going. Like it was just a regular season and, uh, it's quite, um, you know, it, it, but it makes sense. That's just how circus operates. You know, we just, we tend to be a bit more pliable. Um, we can, and I guess it helps not to be unionized in that respect, but, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I guess that, that urge to continue to create, um, continue to share your brand of joy is it's a real obsession. Oh, wow, man, Chris, this has been like, this has been, this has been glorious. This has been fantastic, and I really appreciate you stopping by in Centering. The ring was yours, and uh, I thank you so much for sharing your story with me. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages and everyone in between, this is the one and only Chris Lashua in Centering. Introduction by Jonathan Lee Iverson. That's great. Thank you, Jonathan. It was nice to talk to you, and, um, and I can't wait to, 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 um, to see you back on stage. Uh, doing what you love and what you're so good at. So thank you. And uh, thanks for doing the podcast, getting the word out. Thanks to Circus Talk for hosting it. And for those of you that are listening, if you um, don't know about the Circus Alliance, check us out, American Circus Alliance, um, and help us to help the circus community um, grow and 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 thrive um, again. So yeah, thanks a lot, Jonathan. Hey, thank you. Thank you. This has been indeed a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Chris. Cheers. Thanks again to Chris Lashua. The Circus Voices 2022 spring season is a co-production between Circus Talk and In Centering. Join Circus Talk today and find the talent or the job you've been looking for on the Circus Industries International Casting Marketplace. We have a special offer for Circus Voices listeners. Receive 15% off your annual membership by using the code Circus Voices 2022. Our podcast design was created by Emily Holt and music composed by Book Kennison. You can follow the Circus Voices podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This episode is also available on circustalk.com and the YouTube channel Big Top Voice.